Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, you're listening to the Five Minute Talk Show with Phil Iazetta. We're bringing you today's best comedy and entertainment personalities. Now, your host, Phil Iazetta. Joining us on the Five Minute Talk Show hotline is a gentleman that I am genuinely excited to talk to. I'm geeking out. I'm a fan right now. Check him out at ddpy.com. The legendary wrestler Diamond Dallas Page is taking time out of his busy schedule to check in with us. If you haven't checked out DDPY Yoga yet, boy, are you in for a treat. They are changing lives. Diamond Dallas Page, thank you so much for taking the time joining us. Oh, thanks for having me on, Phil. Good to be here. Now, Diamond, your retreat is coming up June 23rd to the 29th at the El Dorado Spa and Resort in the area of Riviera Maya, Mexico, where I'm getting married, oddly enough, next year. Now, Paige, let's rewind for a second, because my earliest memories of you were in WCW as a manager, but weren't you also the driver somehow at WrestleMania for, I think it was Rhythm and Blues, the Honky Tonk Man, and Greg the Hammer Valentine? Was that not you? Yes. <laughs> at the time, I was Diamond Dallas Page wrestling manager in right. the AWA. Um, I also did Florida Championship Wrestling as a color commentator, working for the legendary, late, great Dusty Rhodes. I always say, without Dusty Rhodes, there really is no Diamond Dallas Page. He gave me every break that ever meant anything in my career. And, and he was my mentor and one of my, as he would say, his closest five friends right up to the day he died. Um, but he took me under his wing and he taught me so much. But when, how I got the gig is the Diamond Dallas chauffeur, Luke from the Bushwhackers, was a good friend of mine. Like People used to come in a nightclub that I ran that was right in between Tampa and Miami. Jake Steak Roberts was the first. Uh, Ted DiBiase, uh, the Rock and Roll, uh, not Rock and Roll Express, uh, Midnight Rockers, Shawn Michaels, Marty Gennetti. They had all these pictures from back in the day. But when I, before I was even in professional wrestling, um, and uh, Luke, the bushwhacker, saw that I had a 62 pink Cadillac, loved it, picked up the phone, called Pat Patterson, and said, Mate, I'm over here with uh, Diamond Dallas Page. He's got, he's got a pink, uh, pink Cadillac uh, convertible. <laughs> like, I want 662. Uh, uh, I think it'd be great for the honk, the honk and honk man and Jimmy Harden and Valentine. And I got on the phone with Pat. And he wanted to know what it would cost to rent it. And I said, if you drive it up there, like, you know, ship it, because it's, it didn't really need to make those kind of miles trips back then. I, and fly me up and let me drive it. It cost you nothing. He was like, you're in. So that was my first WrestleMania, <laughs> WrestleMania wow. 6. Now, Diamond, I went to school in Tampa. Luke and Butch had a restaurant called the Bushwhackers Down Under that I frequented. I love that place. I actually watched... Tyson and Holyfield, I just happened to be down there, and I went to that bar and watched Tyson and Holyfield. That was the night that Tyson tried, you know, bit uh, right. Holyfield's ear off. <laughs> you know, I was in that, I was in Bushwhackers Down Under uh, the, uh, that night. Luke was a really good buddy of mine, and, uh, you know, we were still super close friends today. You know, that that's how, it's all about relationships. I always tell people, it doesn't matter about who you know or who knows you. It really comes down to who's willing to say they know you, who's willing to put your, their name on the line for you. And I had a lot of guys that for me 
because they knew I wasn't going to disappoint them. They knew I was going to work harder than anyone, you know, and yeah. knew I would deliver. Well, so you were a thirty. You were a thirty-five-year-old rookie, DDP. I mean, unless you have a right. passion for the industry, that just doesn't happen because you knew what you were getting into. Oh yeah, and you know, I, I was just talking to uh, my nephew yesterday. Uh, we were sitting out here in the water in Jersey. My my, my sister has a beautiful home right on the on the on the lagoon. I, I was explaining to him that being thirty-five years old, like God, it was so hard to start at that age. But the other side of it was, it was really, it was, it was the positive side was, I didn't do all the stupid stuff I would have done at 22 or 25. You know, I was way smarter how I started to figure out how to hold back the hands of time. And that's what DDPY is all about. But if you go back to my wrestling days at 35, I had those water bottles that you could fill with ice and screw a lid on. They look rubber water bottles. And I put them on my knees and put ace bandages around them. And I put one on my back. And everybody's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, believe it or not, I am the first guy in professional wrestling by five years before any. And the only reason other guys started icing was because they got trainers. And when the trainers are like, no, 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 you got to ice that shoulder. You got to ice that knee. You got to ice that back. Like I was doing that plus deep muscle massage therapy, chiropractic. I just left the chiropractic and massage therapist this morning. You know, I mean, I was always ahead of the curve because I was trying to hold back the hands of time. Well, DDP, you definitely succeeded. Look at the staying power you have. Over 30 years, just a few weeks ago, out here in Vegas, you were at AEW carrying Brandy Rhodes from the ringside all the way back to the dressing room. I mean, you can't do that. Normal guys in their 60s can't do that. Now, I had the pleasure of meeting Dusty way back, and you could just tell what a giving person he was, how unselfish he was. I mean, every single person we walked past in the hallway had to say hello to the dream, and Dusty was just acting like it was the first person, just genuinely excited to be there. You gotta love a guy like that. And not to mention the fact that he paved the way for so many young wrestlers. Think about that. Oh God, there's so many guys, you know, like I'm, I'm a blip compared to how many guys that he created, meaning gave guys opportunities, gave them a gimmick that he knew would, you know, they could live because the guys who really make it, the guys who really get over are the guys that are who they are in real life, just amped up to the 10th degree. Like, the, you know, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Kevin Nash, uh, I don't, John Cena. Every one of them are just themselves amped up. And Dusty knew how to bring that out in people. And he gave a lot of people opportunities that probably never would have gotten them and turned into stars. And uh, he, could, he, 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 he could connect with the people at a different level. And when you really think about it in wrestling, when Dusty was a god, um, most of the guys had killer physiques, like Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Lex Luger. They all had killer physiques. Dusty was a big guy. And he was so real. Um, you know, the, coming to uh, to be with him, um, like he had seen 
a videotape. Um, and he, he brought me into Florida Championship Wrestling. And I came in and I and I told him, you know, that yeah, I couldn't quit my day job because I was running that big nightclub and making a lot of money to, you know, to be a manager. But I would love to come in and do TVs and go you know, and help out wherever you need it because I just want to learn the business. And um, he said, you know, you know, kid, I see, I see a lot of Captain Lou. I see, I see some classy Freddie Blassie. I, I see some Jesse Ventura, and I, and I even see a little bit of me in you. So here's what we're going to do. He said, we're going to make you the Jesse Ventura of the 90s. And I just looked at him and I kind of froze. I was like, Dust, uh, if you're telling me you want me to be a color commentator, you know, I I, have, I don't know a wrist lock from a wristwatch, bro. I, I, I can't do it. And he said, oh, don't worry about a kid. Gordon Foley going to walk you through it all. Wow. And that's for real life how he talked. You know, and just yeah. like Randy, yeah, you talk like this all the time, Savage, yeah, he did. Oh. I mean, he did. It wasn't as amped up yeah. as it was on TV when he was pissed, but that's how he talked. Well, I hate to interrupt you, DDP, but Macho Man Randy Savage, talk about that guy. I mean, you talk about putting someone over, he did so for you in a big way. It was a big deal because, you know, you have to understand, if you would have looked, like, that was 19, that was... April of 1997. If you go back to um, April of 1996, there's no way you believe that could happen a year later. Like my career started to really take off around September, October. It was starting to go full swing October 96. But before that, you just didn't see it. And what people didn't realize is like when I wasn't on the road wrestling, I was down the power plant. Now down WWE for NXT, they call it the performance center. But at WCW, we call it the power plant. And if I wasn't on the road, I was down at the power plant training the young guys. And the reason why I did it, um, I, very early on in my life, I, I heard a quote from Zig Ziglar. Uh, he was a very famous uh, inspirational, motivational speaker, Bible thumper. Uh, he, he had a lot of really good things to say. And one of them, the things he said is, you can get whatever you want as long as you help enough people get what they want. And man, I knew that became part of my mantra, who I, who I am. And uh, it doesn't always happen when you want it to. Like, you've got to keep helping people. You want to feel better about yourself, help people. It just, it, it makes you a better person, but it starts to build you this crazy karma. And whatever you're working on, if you keep helping people, there's a really good chance, like really good chance. It's going to really happen. And for me, I went down that power plant and I started training these, these young kids coming in. And I, every time I trained someone how to do something, I learned a little bit. So every time you, and it happens in every form of life. I don't care if it's bookkeeping or bringing, or, or working on cars or being a plumber. I mean, I don't care what it is. The more you teach someone, the more you learn. The more you learn, the better you get. So that's why people, you know, didn't really understand how is this guy getting so much better. Like one of my biggest compliments ever, um, 1994. Hulk Hogan had come in. 
Randy wasn't in yet, but Hulk was in. And they, because of Hulk having the monster main that he did, we're doing this tour of the UK and Germany. And WCW had never done one. And I'm a, I'm a, like fifth match. I'm the curtain jerker. I'm the first match. And I'm wrestling Jet, um, Jim Duggan every time. So I come out of the ring. I walk through the curtain and Hulk grabs me and he pulls me over. And he says, how are you doing it? I go, how am I doing what, Hulk? Did I do something wrong out there? He goes, no. He goes, how are you getting so much better? And I was like, wow. But he goes, I mean, I, and before I could answer the question, he answers it for me. He goes, this is what they're doing with you. They're putting you on the road so you can learn your craft more. Because I very rarely see you on TV because they didn't believe in me. The bookers, the writers, they didn't believe in me. Very rarely do I see you on TV. But when I do, you got some new move. You get up. You get the people involved. He said, he goes, that's money, man. He said, you know, how, this is how you're doing it, right? I said, Hulk, the only reason I'm on this card is because before I changed my name to Dallas Page, my name was Page Joseph Falkenberg, and the crowds love their Germans. I said, and I got a I got a smoking hot wife that walks me to the ring. That's the only reason I'm on this card. He goes, well, how are you doing it? And I tried to explain the power plant to him, but he didn't really get it because he didn't come up in the business like that. Uh, he came up where you went from territory to territory. And at some point he goes, I, I listen, I don't care how you're doing it. You just need to keep doing it because it's not this year or next year, or the year after, but somewhere down the line, I honestly believe that you have the ability to draw huge money with me. And he walked away. And I thought that Hulk Hogan just tell me he's watching my matches. Did he really say well, I control money. Now, you, you you can bet that I took that. You know, I, I, one of one of my famous quotes, and I just happened to say it when I was talking about Jake Roberts uh, in retrospect to uh, the resurrection of Jake the Snake, the documentary that's on Hulu and uh, Amazon Prime right now. Uh, a quote that I had said, and I didn't really realize I said it until someone said it back to me. But never underestimate the power you give someone by believing in them and by Hulk believing in me, like Hulk Hogan saying that to me, if you, if you can bet your ass, I was manifesting that every minute of the day. And then if you, and, and Dusty told me, Dusty was like, he, he couldn't understand how I got to where I got to because of all the adversity that I had. Like when people don't believe in you and they're writing the show, they don't write anything good for you. So how do you get there if they don't believe in you? But I figured out a way, it's just about work ethic and perseverance. But Dusty said when he saw me walk, when Hulk Hogan and Dennis Rodman, Rodman had just won the, uh, the championship for the NBA playoffs, and he was, on the, he was on the Tonight Show with Hogan, and he saw me and Carl Malone walk through the curtain you know, stage right. And a lot of people don't know who Carl Malone is because he played, you know, 20 years ago. Only but one of the Carl highest Malone, scoring players ever in NBA history. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> the, the second highest. Right. Literally the sec Jabbar was number one. And Jabbar, the only reason Jabbar was number one, because he played till he was 41. Right. Do you want to know what Jabbar did his entire career? Yoga. 
<laughs> and the reason I know that is because Brian Kest, who's a good friend of mine and one of my mentors in that world, um, is, was his personal guy who taught him everything, who kept him on the court. And uh, Jabbar, of course, number one. Malone is number two of all time. Now, LeBron might beat that. You know, uh, you know, KD, he might beat that. But they ain't yet, and they got a long way to go still. So there's a lot of points he dragged up there consistently. So for us to, to walk across this Tonight Show stage, and to remember, we're not shooting this angle on the wrestling show. Right. We're shooting this angle. On the world stage. Well, Diamond, you've been a part of a lot of great things in the ring. But when you actually change someone's life, I mean, look at what you've done outside the ring. You change people's lives for the better. I mean, giving people second chances is probably one of the best things we as humans can do. You did that for Jake Roberts, Scott Hall. I, I hope I'm not mispronouncing his name, but Arthur Bruman. I mean, that brings you to tears when you watch that. Do you ever stop to think about what you've been achieving outside the ring? You know, I, I try not to take it too seriously. I mean, I really do. <laughs> I try not to, but people are always saying it to me. And, you know, it's kind of like when I was when I was wrestling in 97, I was, you know, the hottest wrestler on the planet. <laughs> me and Stone Cold Steve Austin were the two hottest guys in 1997. And everybody kept telling me how great I was. <laughs> you know, I always kept my feet on the ground. I never left the ground for a moment. Did I know who I was? Hell yeah, I did. But I never took it that seriously because I know it could be over in a blip, you know, and you know, you, you, fame is a fleeting moment. Um, what I'm doing today is even so much cooler because it's changing lives on such a ridiculous level. Like I've got so many, I've got so many stories about to come out probably in the next six months about we 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 created a a partnership with the NFL alumni. And that to know how hard that is to do, like they gotta really, really, really believe in you to give you any of that NFL moniker. And uh, got some unbelievable stories coming. These guys are really beat up, you know, and have a lot of, you know, crazy aches and pains. Um, the point is that from Arthur, disabled veteran, some of you guys who are listening, you may have seen the video and didn't realize it, didn't realize it, I had anything to do with it. Uh, if you go to ddpy.com and you go to the bottom of the page, go past all the stuff that, you know, that's there about the program. Just go down to that video and you want to inspire yourself. <laughs> you want to believe anything's possible. Watch that video. Like that was mine. That was my moment that what I'm doing when, because Arthur had filmed everything. And then me and his son put the initial video together. And when I saw how that all came together, because I watched it the whole way through, he'd send me videotapes of himself every week. And when I watched that happen, I knew like what I was doing, it wasn't just yoga. It wasn't just an eating plan. It was more of a lifestyle. Like right now I'm starting to talk to different top NBA and NFL players that are trying to hold on to play in the game as long as possible. They've made DDPY a part of 
their toolbox. Like I just got a text. Uh, <laughs> I showed this to my brother-in-law last uh, Sunday. Yesterday was Sunday. Or uh, two days ago was Sunday. And um, you, uh, George, George Kittle. You know George Kittle is placed for yes, 49ers? Sir. Yep. So George, George sends me a picture. And it's a picture of his 65-inch screen watching the game. And there's a 45-inch screen of me doing the workout. And so he's, so he's literally watching the game, and him and his girlfriend are doing the workout. And this guy is one of the best tight ends you know, in the league. Yeah. You know, and again, he wants to keep playing. Why would you not want to play as long as you can? And you got to remember, though, every game or every time you step in that ring, leave a piece of your body in in the in the ring or on the field especially in football players well the thing that really excites me and amazes me is that you don't have to be a former athlete or an athlete to do this or to get involved you can participate and change your life and i'm not just saying that your rebuild program is something i'm getting for my mom because you could literally start in your bed yeah i'm glad i'm so glad you said that because um you know, when people say to me, oh, dude, I'm not, I am not. can't do your work. It'll kill me. I go, it'll kill you? I said, my rebuild program, DDPY rebuild program, it starts in bed. Like, you can't get out of bed because you're so beat up. I have three workouts in bed that will help, I call bed flex, that'll help you get out of bed, strengthen your body so that you can sit in a chair. And those are called chair force. I've got eight workouts sitting in a chair and then they're going to strengthen you to get to a point that you can get out of the chair. And then it's those next workouts are called stand strong where you use the chair to balance, to get up and get down, to help strengthen all those little muscles. And then you work your way to beginner. And what's fascinating is a lot of the guys who are great athletes, but now they're old and beat up, they start in the chair, sitting in the damn chair, but within a month or two, they're now using, well, within a month, they're using the chair and on Stand Strong, and most of them are going to beginner and intermediate, which if you started there at beginner, intermediate, there's always someone, there's me doing it, there's someone doing it, it's most challenging, and then there's someone doing it like on their knee. I've had so many, this is why I'm so glad you brought this up, Phil. I've had so many people say to me, they, they, they pulled me aside in a, at a Comic-Con signing or whatever, wherever they see me. And they're like, I can't thank you enough. I get these emails all the time. Go to Facebook, one DP Yoga. I think it's one word, DP Yoga. And it's got 39,000 members. Read what people write. Because it's mind-boggling. You can't make people do that. It's like you can't make people chant Hogan or Rocky or DDP. You can't make people write stuff on the internet. They have to be moved and passionate. And the, the, it's just, it's amazing what the people will write. So that's that's really what you know, my whole program goes full circle. Like, I'm... I'm helping people that don't even that I don't even know, and they're thanking me, saying you made me feel like I could do this, because that's why I make it so easy or really challenging in the same workout. 
Well, you know, my, my workouts start out, they're 20 minutes. The bed ones are like 10. Well, Diamond, in the comedy world, guys like Gabriel Iglesias are a perfect example of what your program can do and its success. I mean, when, when people say they lost 60 pounds in six weeks or 160 pounds, which was amazing, in 16 months... Why doesn't everyone know about DDPY? I mean, there's so many, you know, I don't want to say bad programs out there, but fake programs that tell you to do this and there are no results. If you stick to this program, you will see results almost immediately. And I can say so because I've done it. Why aren't you on the Today Show with this thing? I, 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 you know, I know it's going to come. It's like kind of like go to the Hall of Fame. Like, I knew at some point I was going in the Hall of Fame. It took 15 years right. for me to end up in the Hall of Fame because it wasn't WCW's Hall of Fame. It was WCW's Hall of Fame. I would have been in it three, right. you know, but, but WWE owns it all. And I honestly believe that it always happens when it's supposed to happen. You just got to keep working and moving towards it. So I believe that at some point, I've I've already gotten a call from HBO Sports. You see what I was doing? Because HBO Sports, one of the one of the one of the um, uh, the producers, Maggie, super cool lady. She she's the one who found the story that HBO did. HBO Sports on me and Jake and Scott. Well, now we just started talking about you know some of the stories that I have of these you know these retired, beat up NFL guys. And um, you know, I think it, that'll be the next that'll be the next level, and then I believe it'll go into like who's this guy, you know? And it's really not just me; it's my whole company. Like, like I, there's so many guys that are in professional wrestling because they're all friends of mine, or the NFL, who have come through my DDP Yoga Performance Center in Smyrna, Georgia, which is right there uh, just outside of Atlanta, um, and they meet my crew. Like my crew is unbelievable. Like I helped Jake, I helped Scott. I didn't do it by myself. I had the best, most positive. Like I picked everyone's handpicked. Like no one gets hired without talking to me. And uh, they go through a process before that. And a lot of them come in like, like junior editors, and you know they're not making that much money, but we're teaching them. And they, I got this kid named Dylan Freimeyer, who is probably one of the best editors who can really tell a story I've ever seen. But he's also had my business partner, Steve Yu, who's like Yoda. Catch up with DDP Yoga at ddpy.com and start the program. I'm telling you, it's for real. Now, can we get back to wrestling for a second? Because... I was a wrestling geek when I was a kid. And, you know, when you talked about great wrestlers and great managers earlier on, that was a dream of yours when you were young. I mean, you were in your 20s. It wasn't the DDP that was 35. You had a whole other life in between. But you always had that dream to be in wrestling. Now, when Dusty turned to you and said, hey, you're, I see Freddie Blassie in you, and you're going to be the Jesse Ventura, you know, the of the 90s, what did that mean to you? I mean, because when you have that rite of passage coming from someone like Dusty Rhodes and you saw rock and wrestling and you almost felt like you missed the boat on that, what did that mean to you? Yeah, but yeah, you have to understand, I tried wrestling when I was 22, which was in 1978. Right. And I actually have a card. Someone sent me, like, it was like how they made 
programs. You had a couple pieces of paper, you know, and it actually, ha- I have a card that, that on the card, handsome Dallas Page. I was a big handsome Jimmy Valiant fan. <laughs> um, but I had three matches and I hurt my knee in the third one. And I got hit by a car when I was a kid, which my knee was really bad. Um, but it, it, it sidelined me because I really got into the nightclub business while I was injured and I sort of lost focus on the dream. And then coming back in, you know, I really thought that, you know, after Dusty's like, you're going going to be a five breathing dragon, you're going to be the greatest manager of all time. And then when they saw how I was around the ring, you know, in six foot four, my cowboy boots on like six, seven, and wearing all the crazy rock and roll clothes, I was taking too much attention away from the wrestlers. And I'd asked Dusty prior to this, do you think I should go in the ring and, you know, and start to learn how to wrestle, be like a Michael P.S. Hayes type manager wrestler? No, baby, you only be a five, me the dragon. You won't be the greatest manager of all time. You must have said it be five times. But the bottom line is, they weren't letting, they, they, they had to, they, I was still doing color commentating, like on, you know, two, three o'clock in the morning in Moose Breath, Iowa, Iowa you know, like for one of the, the syndicated shows. And I knew the next guy to retire, I would be gone. They wouldn't let me manage anymore. So what ended up happening, I went back down, I went down to power plant for the first time and started to teach, you know, learn how to wrestle 35 and a half. And to be perfectly honest, Phil, they beat the hell out of me because and that's, it's kind of like a hazing thing it's, and they want to run you off they want to run you off so this is what happens nine months in i'm starting to get a little bit of legs i'm starting to learn my craft stone cold steve austin's one of my best friends we drive together all the time he gets in the ring with me early before my match and you know, just teaches me stuff in the ring and you know i had i had a couple of my buddies who you know never thought i'd be anybody but they wanted to help me just the same um and me and kevin nash were tag teaming and I tore my rotator cuff. Now, around that same time, and I told you, Jake Roberts was in my club in Fort Myers, Florida. Mm-hmm. That's where I met him. And he came in, now, now it's been years later, and he came in the power plant, and he saw me there. And he's like, Paige? And I was like, Jake. He's like, What's that? I thought that was you. And um, me and Kevin Nash would become Jake Roberts' gopher. Like we would be the driver and, you know, do whatever we could to learn from the snake. I mean, who had better psychology than him? Oh, he was so, a legend. I just had him on. Legend. I just had him on the show, DDP, and I've never seen – see, I'm old school. So I knew Jake would get these people really angry, and I just asked him off the cuff, what was the worst thing a fan's done to you? And he told me a lady has stabbed him on the way to the ring. Someone right, shot him. Right, I believe it. Yeah. Right. That's a heel. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he drew huge money. He was great at what he did, but he's just just strong as a, a good guy, a baby face. So, so bottom line is, Jake and I were were getting forming. You know, I was kind of like his gopher dude. You know, I was a protege. And then when I tore my rotator cuff, and WCW let me go, and Dusty was in control. Of that Bill Watts was at the time, and. Jake ended up moving in with me for three months and he stayed there until he lost a 12 foot black Cobra in my house. A true story. Um, And then my wife was like, he has got to go. Um, But he still mentored me. He would watch my tapes. He would, he would critique them. He would make me figure it out. So 
When I finally came back to WCW 11 months later, it had been, I'd been wrestling close to two years at that time. And I had a meeting with Dusty the next day. And this is where it really meant something to me because Dusty never saw it in me as a wrestler. He never he thought I was too old. There was no way I was going to be able to pull it together. And he didn't really want me to see me go through that disappointment. You know, like any like father, you know, doesn't want to see their son. Oh God, live with the heartache of, uh, you know, never making their dream, you know? Um, but the night, the day before I'm supposed to go see Dusty, I've been going back to the power plant, even though I wasn't part of WCW, I was like a legend there already, you know, cause I would work with everybody. I was the first to come. I was the last to leave. No one worked harder no one could outwork me and if they thought they could i would challenge them and i'd blow them up so much they'd roll out so i really had created my own you know mythological creature there right. so but dusty had never seen it he'd never seen it so that the day before i was supposed to go and have a meeting with him about me coming back i went to the power plant and there's there's three rings in there and Dusty was there. So I gave a big hug. I hadn't seen him in a while. And yeah, we're gonna meet tomorrow. Yeah, we're gonna meet tomorrow. And then I started to walk away and he goes, Hey B, get in the ring with this kid. I, w- I wanna see what he's got. So I went in the ring with him for about 20 minutes. Yo, know, got out of the ring and he said, That's good. And I went and did my thing. So the next day, I, I'm in his office. And you know, when we get in, we talk about just our lives, family, and you know what's been happening and at some point, you know, I said, so let's get down to business, Steve. Uh, Dusty, what, 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 this is an idea I have, you know, to bring me back in. And he said, uh, no, before you do, he said, I have to say something. He said, you know, D, I know you've always seen yourself as this top performer in our business. He said, but I got to be honest with you. I never seen it until yesterday. And my friggin' heart just went boom, like, wow, he saw what I did. And then he went on and on talking about how, like, he he stayed there the whole day. I didn't see him because he was in the back with Jody Hamilton, but he was watching everything. He said, no one works harder than you do. He said, you know, I know you've, you've always seen this, this spot for yourself in our business. And he goes, after what I saw yesterday, keep doing what you're doing, D. Because whatever it is, <laughs> it could get you to the promised land. And then we went off to talk about whatever. But that was the first time that he'd always thought I was great. He would bring me into production meetings. He would ask for my ideas. He like it was crazy. But Florida Championship Wrestling, when I was there, I would do come up and do color, you know, and I'd do my managing guys. That was on Tuesdays. That was I lived 137 miles from uh, the Sportatorium. On Thursday, I would come back and get in the ring just for about an hour or two, just to see what these, the bump, taking bumps, to see what these guys were feeling so I could call it legitimately. And then I'd go up and I'd do whatever, I'd be Dusty's freaking gopher. And he'd sit around and talk the business with me and psychology and ideas. And, you know, and when I went to WCW, he put me in all those book meetings. Like it was, a, I thought it was amazing. I didn't realize how much heat that was getting me. 
Like that was like monster heat. Like guys were like, what the hell is he doing in here? Well, Paige, wrestling is a fraternity. I, I mean, and you definitely, you, you got your letters, you, you got to be one of the boys, and that knowledge that you have in the ring, you think it's time for DDP to be pledge master and get back in the fraternity? I, and I'm not just saying you ever left it, but I'm saying go back with someone like AEW. When you see what happened there and how exciting that is, I mean, does that get you excited for the business again that you could mold some young minds or, you know, show someone how to do a diamond cutter or show someone how to cut a promo? I mean, because what they're doing is exciting, DDP. I thought it was one of the best pay-per-views, especially for this era. And WWE's put on some really good stuff, especially in their pay-per-views. A lot of people are disappointed in their daily, day-to-day storylines or whatever. But as far as the working in the ring, and there's some unbelievable talent there on both sides of the card, which really interesting is that you look at the Rhodes match, which, again, I've, I've been mentoring Cody since he was 12 years old. He's now 33. Um, there's, I have story after story after story, even more with him, almost than Dusty. Um, and Dustin, who I've loved like a brother since he was 18 years old, we, we worked Florida Championship Wrestling together. Um, I was always considered family there. Uh, so I... You knew that even if they were given the opportunity to be Rhodes versus Rhodes at a WrestleMania, which is the showcase, um, they, they wouldn't have put as much on it because there would have been the top angles that needed new time. They wouldn't have been able to do what they did at Double or Nothing. And if you're a wrestling fan and you don't know what AEW is, um, it's a <laughs> phenomenon right now. And again, dude, I, I just help and advise Cody on stuff. I work still with both companies um, because I mean, one of my buddies who just started down the power plant, not power plant, the performance center in WWE, he texts me, he goes, you would be so proud. There's at least six DDPY shirts in the <laughs> building right now. <laughs> Cause I give, when I come in, I give everybody shirt. Now I don't mean to wear it, you know, but you know, like I give all the guys and the girls, I give them all shirt and you know, I go down there and spend like three or four days with them. And I've gotten super close, like someone like someone like Ricochet, who's one of the greatest talents on the planet. Uh, he is a real life superhero. If you haven't seen him, you know, worth the time to take it to watch. He's spectacular. But there's a couple other guys down there, like Double Team Dream and you know Tommaso. Uh, I just broke his neck. He, he just came and worked out with me for three days because now he can start working out again. And Tommaso Ciampa came and spent three days with me. Uh, also big cast spent three days before that. So like the athletes are now, I built a section of my home just for them <laughs> so they could come and go as they want. You know, I've got, listen to this, bro. I've got a hyperbaric chamber. That's I'm talking about the one that is a level under the Mayo clinics one. Like you get the same results from mine, but you, you can't do the glass with all the oxygen filling up the hyperbaric chamber because it, it you just can't do it. It's illegal. Um, but the um, but the uh, one I have is, is goes to 12 psi, which is like 30 feet below sea level. And for any of you who know who Daniel Bryan is, when he had to leave wrestling, it was because he had so many concussions that his brain was dark in so many places. He got back. He got back in a hyperbaric chamber like the one I have. And in two years, he's back in the ring, bouncing around like a pinball. 
It's amazing. And his brain is inside. But I have a hyperbaric chamber, infrared sauna, cryogenics. It takes 300, negative 300 degrees. I have a beamer pad. I have an inversion table, massage table, steam room, hot tub, workout, private workout area. That is what I made for top athletes who will be coming in to work with me. Top athletes? <laughs> I want to stay at the Jake the Snake suite. That's that's the accountability group. You saw the movie. And if you guys haven't seen The Resurrection of Jake the Snake, go on Amazon Prime and you get it for free. Or go on Hulu. If you got Hulu, you got it. It's up there. But that place right now is the accountability crib is our Airbnb. And it is constantly, it's constantly jammed. Uh, and we have five-star ratings. If you just look up Jake's, uh, I think the Jake, Jake the Snake uh, accountability crib, there's the Razor Ramon suite, in suite. There's a DDP, I mean, House Page in suite. My mother-in-law, she's like the house mom. Who, and she's, everybody writes about her because they love her. And there's like 800 pictures. It's like, it's like kind of like a museum. Well, DDP, we got to get you out here to Vegas and start working with some of these vets and at the VA hospital. Because if you take the mental and physical that you can help these guys with, I mean, I've witnessed it in your programs. This can help anyone. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what shape you're in, how old you are. This, honestly, this program it can help you. It can help you in many facets of life. DDPY.com. DDP, thank you so much for the time. You've been listening to the 5-Minute Talk Show. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and keep listening at 5MinuteTalkShow.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.